Coming soon to a theater near you, it's The Equalizers, a bi-weekly podcast where two idiots drop a cinema sibling in the lap of a perfectly content solo film. My name is Mike Noll, and I am joined, as always, by the sequel to my prequel, Madison Jones. Madison Jones, are you in good form? I am in the best form. I am in the form of the infinity symbol, because I thoroughly enjoyed this movie to infinity and beyond. A little callback. A little callback, yeah. You like that? We make yeah. we make a lot of in-jokes here on this podcast. <laughs> we have fun here. We have fun. Here's another in-joke. Um, wow, I can't remember mm-hmm. anything we've ever done. <laughs> Maybe it's because it was all trash and it wasn't like worth oh, remembering. I think each of our pitches are a gem in their own right. Even if they wouldn't, not all of them would make great movies. They're mostly those like plastic gems, you know, you get when you're a kid that like you like glue on to like clothing or jewelry or something like that. Yeah. Most of our pitches are bedazzling gems. Yes. Bedazzling. That is what it. This, I'm thrown because normally you, you use some kind of reference to the movie we're watching that I can segue into. Oh, yeah. Oops. Oh, you, here's a segue. This movie made me um, go watch the first uh nine episodes of murder she wrote because oh, wow, okay. i realized uh, how enjoyable angela lansbury is yeah murder sure it's a good show i might continue i'm not sure after the um movie that shall not be named aka the pest 2 <laughs> <laughs> we we did a lot of goofs on tony shaloub and i sped through the first three seasons of monk so it's <laughs> and i'm not i'm not joking I got to like the end of the third season in like a week after this. So just know, Mike, that whatever we talk about when we record kind of sure. affects the rest of my my media consumption from then on until the next time we record. It's weird that next week is the Teletubbies movie then. I know. Man, that's going to be weird. I will say, even if you don't continue all the way with Murder, She Wrote, hunt down the episode where Buddy Hackett is in it as a an ex-stand-up like up comedian and His former partner's son is played by a young George Clooney. Oh, really? Yeah. There's one episode, um, we can talk about Murder, She Wrote. Have you seen a good amount of Murder, She Wrote? Oh, yeah. It seems like in your kind of milieu. Um, Mm -hmm. The episode where it's the rich family, it's in the first season, and the guy gets knocked off his horse and dies, but it's all foul play. Do you know what I'm talking about? Vaguely. It turns out like this guy leaves his fortune to his dog and all the kids are like pissed off but they're all like spoiled Mm -hmm. breaths and so there's like multiple attempts to try to like frame the dog or make sure the dog seems incompetent and it's it's a it's a wild (laughs) episode i'm not as up on murder shirt as i am on matlock so that sounds familiar though so if you and jackson ever do like a weird like bonus episode murder she wrote episode like i would like Uh a guest star on that all right. Yeah, we'll definitely have you on. So this week we're doing Ben Hobbs and Broomsticks. Yes. Because Jackson Eflin, last week's guest, um, challenged us to do a sequel or prequel. Uh, Madison, you've already said that you very much enjoyed this movie, correct? Yeah, it was great. It's kind of one of those movies when I watch it, I'm like, man, they don't really make movies like this anymore whatsoever. Yeah, it's definitely a product of its time. Did somebody say math? <laughs> The math is out there. Welcome, everybody, to Madison's Math Facts, the special corner where I entertain Mike with various facts based on numbers and figures and whatnot. But I've been um, thinking, Mike, um, 
I think uh, Madison's math facts needs to uh, get a little bit of an upgrade or like a reboot okay. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the gritty Madison's math facts. Yeah. Last few episodes, like, sometimes I have the math facts, sometimes I don't have the math facts. And, you know, it's like here or there. And the fact of the matter is, prequels, there's just no more math facts. I did them all. Finished. Madison it, has it, literally done every math fact there is to know. Every single one. And it's really unfortunate because normally you would think like this would be the end of Madison's math facts. Well, I decided to expand. This is Madison's math facts 2.0, where I'm saying Madison's math facts. Math stands for the anagram. Madison's amazing tidbits of heedfulness. It's just going to be movie trivia. Um, I maybe throw some numbers in every so often, but like some just like interesting little tidbits that I think Mike and the listeners will enjoy. Mike, your your thoughts? I want it on record that I think the H should be for Hollywood, but you picked heedfulness because it's a funnier word. Yes, that is true. Which this is your bit, so I'm not going to fight you. Yeah. I just want it on record that I object and that I think it should be Hollywood and not heedfulness. Got it. So whenever you, when I say heedfulness, you, you're just going to think Hollywood in your mind. I might say it out loud the way you always say, like in sequel, after I say it. What are you talking about? I never do that. Oh, that's right. Wait, what? <laughs> Hey, I got to go see a hallucination doctor about <laughs> the things I've been hearing, apparently. Okay, cool. All right, well, bye. Well, while well, Mike goes and does that, um, <laughs> um, prequels, I'm going to uh, fill you in on the first math fact, aka Madison's amazing tidbits of heedfulness. Math fact one, this was the last Disney film released while Roy O. Disney was still alive. He died a week after the U.S. premiere. Math blasted! Usually this is where Mike is still here, and he reacts or says something about that fact, but um, it's kind of like I'm just sort of yelling into the deep, inky void when Mike's not here. It's kind of odd. I guess we're just going to go to the next mad fact. Math Facts. This is a very interesting first episode of the new reboot of Madison's Math Facts, but here we go. The opening credit sequence is a homage to the Bayou Tapestry, a seamless linen cloth made in France during medieval times and tells the story of the Norman conquest of England, which was the 11th century invasion and occupation of England by the army of Norman, Breton, Flemish, and French soldiers led by the Duke of Normandy, later who would be called William the Conqueror. Math Blasted! Oh, I'm Mike. That's a uh, that's a uh, quite a quite a um <laughs> quite a interesting math fact there, uh, Madison. Um, you're always so um you're always so uh, you bring a lot to the podcast, and um, I don't ever have to deal with you rescheduling like all the time our record sessions, or um, you're kind of like shitty audio because you live in on the busiest street in all of fucking Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like you you've gotten all of the passive aggressiveness out of my personality for me also i like how i'm canadian suddenly yeah yeah like from minnesota wait you aren't canadian fuck surprise okay uh welcome back actual mike so i actually have an interesting math fact for you what is it did you know that the opening credits are actually an homage to the bayou tapestry Oh, what? Yeah. And what? what's the Bayou Tapestry? Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> Next math fact. This one actually made me laugh when I read it. 
because someone actually went into the time to look into this. According to the laws of the game, as authorized by the International Football Association Board, no goal should have been awarded during the soccer match. (laughs) The referee would properly have stopped the play at any point where the ball burst or became deflated, law two, if not earlier for a substandard field service or goalpost, law one, short-sightedness, law four, insufficient equipment, law five, severe injury, law six, Advantage gained by being in an offside position, law 11, or any various fouls or misconduct, including, but not limited to, dangerous play, dissent, unsporting behavior, being cartoon characters, and leaving the field without permission, which apparently in soccer or football, as they call it abroad, football, the players can't leave the field without permission. Man blasted! That's how I could tell this movie was written by an American, because they have British people referring to it as soccer. I honestly, when he said that, I was kind of surprised. And I was wondering if the version we might have watched, Mm. maybe they did like two takes of that, where Mm. he called it football. And then for the American audiences, they called it soccer. I don't know that. That's not confirmed. But like, I kind of like, it's just very weird that he would call it soccer as a Englishman. Math facts are completed. Well, Madison, you like this movie. I didn't care for it personally as much. There was a lot of good bits, but like a lot of it was just kind of padding. Yeah. The quest itself seemed to just take forever. Yeah, yeah. I, like, mean, I really thought a lot of the movie was going to be fighting Nazis. Yeah, it doesn't really happen until the very end. Uh, but I did enjoy it, and Portobello Road has been stuck in my head off and on for about a week and a half now. Portobello Road, Portobello Road, street where the riches of ages are stowed. Anything and everything a chap can unload is sold off the barrow in Portobello Road. You'll find what you want in the Portobello Road. And we can talk about this, but... Something that I found kind of a weird joke is mm-hmm. um, during the Portobello Road scene, there's like totally a part where uh, Mr. Brown gets somewhat propositioned <laughs> by those by those ladies yeah. who he has clearly seen before and he was trying to play off as if he had not <laughs> been there before or know them. I um, apparently watched the extended version of this that I didn't know existed. But as I was explaining to Jackson, like, why is this dance number so long? Jax is like, oh, you might be watching the extended version because there is, the one I watched, there's a dance number where no less than like eight nationalities come out and do a very specific Oh, dance. yeah. Yeah, that, that that happened in my version too. I watched the one on Amazon. Um, well, I you like this movie. I didn't care for this movie. You'll be surprised or maybe not so surprised to find out that some people on the internet shared our opinions. That's right, gang. It's time for Daddy's Tomatoes. Who would have guessed? Yeah, that very good and subtle setup I led you into, like a trap. Yeah. Imad S. says that they do not want to see this, and the body of the review is, not for the right reasons. So, for the wrong reasons? Yeah, what are the wrong reasons to want to see this movie? He hates Angela Lansbury. Just can't stand her. Murder, she wrote, uh, killed his mom. (laughs) (laughs) Our next review, I think this is Colin. C-O-L-Y-N-N, like Colin. Okay, that's the person's name? Yes, Colin S. is not interested. 
to see this at all. Based on the title, I thought this was porn. In the, review. <laughs> the porn. Yeah, what's the porn parody going to be called? The porn parody has got to be. I think he's got it right. I mean, it kind of sounds like a porn. Bed knobs. I mean, bed rubs. Bed rubs and. Or nubs. Bed nubs. Bed nubs and. Fuck sticks. Bed knobs and. Something dicks, right? Broom dicks. <laughs> Broom dicks. I mean, here's the thing. I don't think we're I don't think we're funny enough for this, Mike. I just don't think we're funny enough to make like a good good sex parody uh name off of this this nice Disney film. Alright, so I think it's time we begin. Yeah. I'll get a timer ready. Okay. But I have absolutely no ideas. Good. Because neither oh, cool. do I. Our time starts now. Okay, enter the broomstick averse. No. Okay. Um uh <laughs> <laughs> The only thing that interested me in this movie was Portobello Road. I just really liked that, but I don't know how we frame a movie around that. Yeah, um, we could definitely go back to it, I think. But I don't know. There's something to this magic that they're studying. Uh-huh. Like, Mr. Brown, like, doesn't even believe in it or like the type of magic that Miss Price, right? Yes. Yes. Well done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I studied. I, I, I know all of the character names for this one. Yeah, go ahead. Hit me with them real fast. <laughs> Mrs. Price, Mr. Brown, little uh-huh. boy, big boy, uh-huh. girl. <laughs> yeah, you did it. Oh, and the Nazis. Don't forget the Nazis. Yeah. Also a character. A thought just occurred to me, thinking about Portobello Road and how like they could go back there and all the things to sell. We could just like national treasure this. We could. They're looking for a magical artifact or mm-hmm. something. Do you think the kids grow up and... They start to study magic, or or maybe they she because her house burnt down at the end and she lost all of her magic stuff. But she said she's quitting magic, right? Like the the storeroom back room where she kept all her magic shit got blown up. Yeah, and she decided to quit magic, which kind of puts a kink in us doing a magical sequel. That's not just she decides to take up magic again. But there's no way it ends there for the kids, right? There's no way they're yeah. just gonna like let that go. Do you know the kids' names? No. Okay, I have no idea, right? I think we just go with little boy, big boy, and girl. Cool. <laughs> I think, what if they each grow up and studying magic, and they all go into different directions with it? Okay. So what time period are we talking? I'm going to say maybe it is like 15 years later, because it would make them all young adults, right? So roughly the 60s. Yeah, roughly the 60s. I do not know what 60s London was like. But the 60s were like all like the hippy dippy period in America, right? Don't quote me on this, but it might have been a grunge time. like a Grunge? Okay. The swinging 60s was a youth-driven cultural revolution that took place in the United Kingdom during the mid to late 60s, emphasizing modernity and fun-loving hedonism, the swinging London as its center. It saw a flourishing art, music, and fashion, and was symbolized by the city's pop and fashion exports. Among its key elements were the Beatles, as leaders of the British Invasion of Musilox. So, like, Beatles era. Yeah. What if we work the Beatles into this? We could. What if, um, what if they use their magics to um, start the British Invasion? <laughs> oh, wow, the Avengers, the spy TV series. Okay. It was in the 60s. It was just like, hedonism, let's go for it. I'm fine with that if we want to. I mean, sexual liberation. Yeah, like Alfie, Casino Royale. 
During the 1960s, London underwent a metamorphosis from a gloomy, grimy post-war capital into a bright, shining epicenter of style. The yeah. phenomenon was caused by the large number of young people in the city due to the baby boom of the 50s and the post-war economic boom. Austin Powers, those movies are kind Basically. of like parodying that kind of era. I mean, but yeah, I think that a lot of the style and visuals are probably on track. It's more the James Bond jabs that are the like very exaggerated. So if we're going to that time period where it's kind of like swinging sexual revolution and also like spy stuff, I think we can get into this. Because we are still in the Cold War also. Yeah, we we could also get into like, because I think Fred Nelson Broomsticks is like very like the whole story is sort of affected by the era that it was in. So it was in the 40s. So like World War Two was happening. I think the the whole like setting of England in World War Two was a character of itself in the movie. Mm-hmm. I think England in the 60s would be really great, like to just reflect that. So I'm thinking we do like, maybe one of the kids is like a spy and uses like little magics to like, do something or and then maybe another one is like, a musician and they're like maybe they were the fifth beetle <laughs> what if we do the three siblings spy team like magic spies okay. in the cold war okay we could almost do like a james bond movie kind of thing with okay. these three kids as like a trio of characters that's fun yeah let's do that we need a villain and a plan i think before the time is up and then we can dig into the events after that maybe I mean, the Cold War villain to England would be Russia, right? Russia. I mean, and it, need, it needs like a name, like some kind of super spy villain name. Like, so I'll say a first, I'll say a name, and then you say a something like the, and like an adjective, like a descriptive for like a profession or a, a temperament or some emotion or something like that. Cool. Yeah. This is how we always come up with our best stuff. Yeah. You ready? Sure. Volkov. The Great. Okay, so the villain <laughs> is Volkov the Great. Volkov the Maybe Great. Maybe he's a magician. Yeah, like, he's like Mister. Bra- he's like evil Russian Mister Brown. Okay, he's yeah, he's even he's an evil Russian magician who is working for the uh, KGB, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, what's his plan? I think his plan is to. I mean, I think the um the spell in the first one, the uh. Su- Transubstantiation. Yeah, tra- subtransubstantiation. Yeah, whatever. Substitutionary locomotion, mystic power that's far beyond the wildest notion. It's so weird, so weird, yet wonderful to see. Substitutionary locomotion, come to me. It makes all the knights, the knights' armors, like walk around and be soldiers for them. I mean, that's pretty useful, mm-hmm. right? And maybe they uncovered some, like, reports from the soldiers and the German soldiers about this happening. And that's kind of what they're basing their investigation around. And they want to get that so they can basically animate these. Maybe they built a bunch of steel, like, soldiers or something or, like, robots kind of. But they're not mechanical. They're just kind of golems that they want to bring to life to be their soldiers. I really like that. I want to pitch one idea just to see how you feel about this. Maybe he is, like I said, like evil Mr. Brown. So he doesn't actually have magic. 
Okay. He's like a stage magician. He finds a way that he wants to steal magic from England. Okay. So no one in England can do magic anymore, and he'll steal it for Russia. Okay. And now that I'm saying it out loud, I think yours is where the heat is. I like yours. It's what is magic? Like, how do you steal it? Right? Like, for a 60s, like a swinging 60s spy thrower thing, I think he's going to, he's trying to get transubstantiary locomotion for iron golems, like a legion of iron golems to take over. I think that's really good. Yeah. So we have six minutes. I don't know what else we should try to clear up big picture before we get to. Are Mr. Brown and Mrs. Price in it? Maybe at some point? I don't think David Tomlinson is still alive. Okay, no, so that's this, never stopped us before. I mean, he would have been, I guess it's like, okay, is this a sequel made now or is it a sequel made then? That's true. And we don't even have to use the same kids. Yeah. Let's, let's leave them on the table. Kind of like when we did Mazes and Monsters, we left the reason they were all getting together kind of blank so that we could fill it in later for the plot. I think let's leave them on the table as they can be in it. And then if we find a really good place for them where they fit, okay. then we can put them in. Otherwise, we don't have to worry about it. We'll just jam Link, Lynn. I can't say Angela Lansbury's name without mm-hmm. saying Angela. I can't say just her like Lansbury. Yeah. <laughs> Angela Lansbury. But anyway, we're going to jam Lansbury and Tomlinson in somewhere. Just wedge him in. So it's spy thriller. It's in the 60s. Do we want to set up a magical branch of MI6? Do they just work for MI6? Like, Yeah, they could. I think in the first movie, there wasn't too much different about each one. They were all kind of like just observers to the weird shit that was happening around them, right? The only one that had like some depth were was the older boy, big boy. Who I could not stand. Who was just like, no, that doesn't make sense, even though I just saw magic. <laughs> no, no, magic ain't real, in it? And also, we want sausages, yeah? And who was totally going to blackmail her, like, like with, with no remorse. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I think that kid, because I don't think they really learned anything, like any of the kids. I think they were still themselves by the end of the movie, right? I don't know. I think that they, like, family, like, there was yeah. a bond amongst the characters. But they didn't learn to, like, be better people. No, no. I mean, the only one that needed to learn to be better was the old, was Big Boy. Big Boy, yeah. (laughs) 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 My name's Boy. Big Big Boy. Boy. In it. I apologize to any British fans. Yeah, all of our British fans that listen. I think, like, the one person who's listened to three episodes in the UK, I apologize. Yeah. So that's the thing. I I think we need to like give them personalities of their own, right? Mm. And I don't think they can just be like a three-person team. Maybe Big Boy is... I likened him a lot to Ron Weasley when I was watching it and texting Jackson. I likened him a lot to Ron Weasley. And I think we can keep that idea of kind of brash and not, not the brains, but like... I mean, he was arguably looking out for his siblings. For sure. Throughout the movie, like his job, he was trying to make sure that they got home yeah and all this other bullshit about magic and stuff he didn't have time with yeah so like maybe he's kind of i don't know if he's supposed to be the oldest because the girl looked maybe older but i think maybe he's the leader yeah and honestly maybe we're being sort of unfair to this child whose parents just died and now is not at home anymore (laughs) no i think we're fine okay um so what what i'm kind of getting at is like maybe the older kid is maybe big boy is a leader in MI6, and then little boy 
maybe he's just joining and he's like a new recruit and then the girl could be like someone who went rogue in MI6 and is coming back like like it's kind of what I'm kind of getting at is okay maybe she was undercover like deep cover okay so do we still have Volkov the Great because in originally my conception was it was the three of them as like a team of spies that go out in the field I'm fine with doing it more of like they have varying positions at MI6 but so I just want to be clear of what angle we're taking yeah. before we get too far in. I guess I'm just kind of giving them so, sort of a reason to come together. But you, you, you're kind of thinking them as a team already, where I'm yes. thinking of them having to come together as a team for some reason. Sure. I'm okay with either. I think we just need to nail down what the angle is we're taking. Yeah. I think uh, Girl <laughs> in, deep color, in Deep Cover is good. Girl in Deep Cover is a good, like, novel yeah. title. What if Boy is a little bit of a rogue and then... Uh, big boy is sort of like the very uh, by the books sort of MI6 guy. So okay. what if boy was in an MI6, then he saw too much weird shit or like he, he saw some, he did, he like doesn't trust the government. So he's sort of like defected, okay. but he comes back because he has some information on Volkov the Great. I have an idea. What if they all did work together as a team for MI6, but for varying reasons, they left like maybe like you said big boy saw too much shit and quit um maybe girl went undercover and or like maybe went native yeah and then boy was a rogue and got like dishonorably discharged and now they need to bring them all together because they were the best magic spies that mi6 ever had and they need them for this job maybe they just had a job that went bad and they fractured and the whole magic division of mi6 was dissolved because it was only these three kids these three or mm-hmm. these three people so they're all to the winds of doing their own shit and then volkov the great comes in maybe there's like some sort of like attack on london's like maybe like parliament or something like that well they're after transubstantiary locomotion right that's the yeah. idea yeah. So why would they go after Parliament? I mean, maybe somebody goes after Mrs. Price. What's all this out there? Maybe she dies. And maybe. that's what brings them together. And we're going a little Umbrella Academy yeah. with that. But like... Also the, the movie Four Brothers. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't see that, but I saw Umbrella Academy. Okay. So. But I, that would be a way to bring them together. And maybe they are like, yeah, fuck MI6. We don't need them. We're like the best team they ever had. We can take this on without them. Yeah. And then, then it's a little like rogue spies also yeah you can have i think mi6 approaches them and then they're like fuck no but they're still interested right because they don't want to work for mi6 like maybe uh maybe girl does a little bit i think big boy does because he was the one who was more in with mi6 girl went undercover and kind of went native so i don't know why she'd want mi6 as much and boy went rogue arguably or was like too i don't know like too uncontrollable but big boy was like in the ranks and like maybe even like promoted out of field work at one point like he'd be the one who's like we need their resources we need their help and boy's like no we don't we need to handle this ourselves yeah we can't trust them exactly or yeah girls like we can't trust them at yeah all. i think that's good i'm gonna look up their names this just feels weird i mean we can keep calling them but i just want to look up their names i'm gonna try to guess tom which one do you think is Tom? I think old boy is Tom. I'm oh, sorry, big boy is Tom. Okay. Girl is Mary. Okay. And boy is Archibald. Okay. Well, you were very close on one. Tom? No. Big boy is Charlie. Okay. Boy is Paul. Girl is Carrie. Oh, shit. I think we could still call them by 
big boy, boy and girl we want for comedy. I just wanted to get the names out there as for sure. Some sign of respect for them so, as people. <laughs> so Big Charlie. Big Charlie. I'll follow that too. <laughs> big Charlie. Big Charlie. Okay. Paul, little Paul. Little Paul and and Carrie and and Carrie. <laughs> okay. And boy, boy Paul and Carrie. So I think that Volkov the Great andor his like forces raid the house, Mrs. Price's house. Yeah. And she maybe dies. Yeah. And that's the thing that brings them back together for the first time in years. Yeah. I think maybe Carrie is visiting Mrs. Price. Because I think they would still keep in touch, right? Somewhere. Oh, yeah. They love mm-hmm. her. And do we think, like, Mr. Brown has passed? That's the thing. He was really old when he joined the army for World War II. Yeah. I don't know in what capacity, but, like... Did he really join, or was he just kind of masquerading as a soldier to get back to London? Oh, no. I think I think we're led to believe he actually joined. Okay. I don't know. I feel like that's a character assassination of Mr. Brown, if we're just like, nope, JK, that was a lie, so he could go back to London. That's kind of how I took it. I think he was like, no better way to get back in to London than to be in uniform. But that's fine. I think it's just different interpretations. Well, I mean, if he had wanted to go back to London, he wouldn't have come back to fight the Nazis with Mrs. Price and the kids. I don't know. I guess you're right, interpretation, but I we can flip a coin at this point since we're both kind of at a stalemate. It, it's it's fine. Let's just assume he let's say he's passed on. Okay. Did he die in the war? Or just or we just leave it kind of vague. Let's leave it vague. And they talk about that in this scene, Carrie and Mrs. Price, and it's kind of a sad moment. And then um like she and maybe Carrie's just like a little bit worried about her being alone, and then she's like, No, it's fine and then Carrie asks her if, like, she still dabbles ever in, like, magic, and she's like, no, not at all, I told you, I gave it up, whatever, and then mm-hmm. once Carrie leaves, you see, like, her, like, making things, like, dance, uh, like, there's a big, I think there's yeah. a big number, like, after. So, I don't know if we want to make this a musical. I like the idea that she, she like, swears that she hasn't dabbled at all, and then Carrie leaves, and we hear her, ooh, crisp. <laughs> And then we hear her start kind of quietly humming the transubstantiary locomotion song. And, like, the th- she's knitting a scarf, and we just see the ends of the scarf starts kicking, like, little feet, like, along to the tune. But what if it builds? Like, she starts humming it, and then, like, it builds, and then, like, she's then she, like, gets into it, and then the whole house starts dancing. Like, it's, like, a big, it's, like, a big scene. But her alone. What if we invert that idea? And Volkov the Great breaks in and starts singing this, like, in a very sinister kind of way. Okay. You know how villains will, like, very slowly, creepily sing songs while they're, like, looking for prey? Like, yeah. somebody's hiding in a room, and as they're walking around, they're singing some very innocent song very creepily. What if he's kind of doing that? What if he's kind of, like, um, he's been observing the house, and mm. he, maybe they knew that these three kids were in the magic division and maybe him and his people were like following them and just waiting for like some sort of magical happening. And then once Carrie leaves the house, they're like, shit. And then like they see Mrs. Price doing this and they're like, oh, it's her. She's the magic one. I think he knew Carrie. He knew Carrie? When she went native and like on a mission in Russia. Yeah. They knew each other or like worked together in Russia. Yeah. And so he heard about Mrs. Price that way. and followed Carrie and founder like Carrie led Volkov the Great to Mrs. Price okay what if during their conversation between Carrie and Mrs. Price 
they talk about like how the book and everything i guess everything was mm. supposedly destroyed right mm-hmm. there's still that medallion though arguably what if like part of the medallion or something or like i don't know I, I'm, I'm trying to think of like a way for like mrs price to like be able to do magic herself but well she just knew the words she didn't use like wands or anything so like, yeah. she could still do magic if she remembered the words yeah I'm just thinking, like, what leads them to the next thing? Like, why, once she confronts, they confront Mrs. Price, why don't they win? And they have the magic now, right? Oh, that's, I think they do. I think the kids are brought back together to retrieve the spell and or kill Volkov and or destroy the golems before they can be used. Like, I think he gets the spell. I think that he has to for this to be like a spy thriller kind of thing. Okay, so then maybe she has her notebook still. Mm -hmm. And... That's what Volkov gets. Yeah, I think that works really well. Yeah, but when Volkov confronts her with his goons, she like fights back and like brings the whole house together. Like, like she like is like throwing the whole house at them, and then like it's this like crazy battle. But then maybe she lets her guard down for a second, and then they like get her. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't think we need to show her dying. It's just like we see the aftermath, and then uh-huh. maybe her body. And then him grabbing the notebook. I have an idea, and it's really stupid, and it's vaguely in line with something Disney might do for this. Yeah. What if we get David Tomlinson back to play Volkov the Great? It's not Mr. Brown. It's not like a (laughs) big twist. And we do something, but he looks enough like Mr. Brown that it throws, like he takes off a mask or something, and it throws her off. Like, Mr. Brown? That's how she like drops her guard, maybe. Yeah. Just the surprise. Yeah. What if Volkov, he knows some magic Mm -hmm. and is able to illusion himself? Yeah, I like that. That's probably better than getting Peter Tomlinson back or David Tomlinson, whatever. Yeah, Wait, like maybe Big there's T. a there's like a photo, a photograph in the place, and he see it's a photo of them together, and he sees mm. that, so he like sort of um, changes his face real fast, um, mm-hmm. like sort of disguises it, or it's a, an illusion, and it throws her off, and then that's when they. So okay, so Volkov has has the spell. He's going to make the golems. The kids come back together at the funeral. What's their next step? Like, do they go to some informant that Carrie knows? Do they go to MI6? Do they go to Russia? Like, what's what's the next step of the spy adventure? Well, that brings them together for the funeral. Mm-hmm. And then I think things are moving so fast, you know, like he has the book. They can't let him mm-hmm. get it. Maybe it's not even the funeral yet. Maybe they hear about it. MI6 calls them in right after it happens. And then from that meeting bringing them all back together they're like no fuck you mi6 let's like solve this on our own yeah i think maybe somebody is at the funeral from mi6 like we have proof it was this guy and carrie we know that you knew him in russia when you were undercover like we need you to come in and tell us what you know and they like we do a quick scene of them like being interrogated like being questioned i guess and then they leave again like we don't need a whole thing but carrie's like i I didn't tell him anything yeah we're gonna handle this yeah as a team so then they go to what moscow i assume i think they would need to know like what's the next step like because like he has the book so why can't he just like do it now or maybe he can that's a good point that's what i was like maybe like part of the book or part of some of the pages are Hmm. missing or maybe some of the pages are in london at well, I guess Mr. Brown didn't have a home, right? He kind of was, like, living about. Oh, okay. So what if... Um, what if there's a bank... Like, what if there's, like, a safety deposit box and, like, the other half of her notes are in... <laughs> what if she hid the other half of her notes? Like, there, there's, like, a yeah. will that they receive, like, a letter. Like, oh, if you're reading this, then I'm dead, blah, blah, blah. 
I suspect it's because of this. And you should know I hid the the pages of my notebook about san- or whatever transubstantiary locomotion here. And then that's how we could work in Portobello Road. Yeah. And then there could be like a fight scene, a chase scene or whatever through that street. Yeah. I think like she does like, it's kind of like she hit it. Do you think it's at, on Portobello Road with someone or do you think it's in a bank or? We could have Mr. Brown be alive, but he and Mrs. Price never got together because of some oh. fight or something. I'm just throwing this out there. And he is on Portobello Road doing his show or whatever. That's good. Like street magic. So she sent them to him. Like they didn't get together. Like maybe war changed him or something like that. And they just, he was a different person when he came back. And through no nobody's fault, they didn't end up together. But she still trusts him with those pages. That's so good. So he has them. And they have to go find him on Portobello Road. And maybe they are like, maybe they sided with Mrs. Price. Like they don't necessarily like him anymore he kind of like was a dick and then just up and left and they never really forgave him for that what if she told the kids he died in war but really he didn't actually go to war like you said and he just went back to london and now this is how he lives but so she's like in the letter she's like i need you to go to portobello road and i am so sorry i never wanted you to find out like this but she doesn't say and then they we cut to like him doing tricks and stuff and the kids are there like they can't believe he's alive yeah this got really sad. I mean, it's still sad. It but this is like this is really depressing to me. This part, it, it, it's sort of depressing. But like, I think bringing back Mister Brown's character, Mrs. Price dies. I think that's yeah. a good idea because it gives them like, yeah, it's that parental figure that is still and, there. That and it's kind of like they have to side with this guy who kind of like let them down. Arguably, he's the only person she could trust with these pages, which makes sense. Because he's like, there really aren't that many like characters. It's basically just them. So I think having him be there and have the things like, I think that's good. Otherwise, she just hid them in the museum, and that's not as interesting of like no. a scene. I'm trying to think because it could almost be a race. Like they could not get the pages. Like they go to Portobello Road. They meet Mr. Brown there. He's got the pages. Whatever they they have their reunion. It's heartbreaking, and then the agents of Volkov the Great show up. And I like the idea, kind of like in the Now You See Me movies, they're using street magic stuff as, like, attacks. Like, have you ever seen Now You See Me? Nope. Okay, well, there's a great scene where Mark Ruffalo's character is trying to arrest Dave Franco's character, and Dave Franco is fighting him using magic, like, street magic stuff. Like, he's throwing playing cards at him. He does a whole thing where he disappears into a curtain. Like, there's some really cool, and I think that could be pretty fun. Like, Volkov the Great's henchmen are using street magic as, like, offensive tactics. That's pretty good. Then it's like a chase scene, I think, through like Portobello Road and like maybe they like hide in a few of the stalls mm. and are. There's a bit where there's like the dance number, like one of the people are like, like the the guys are like steel pans or doing all the laser dancing. And then just like the agents of Volkov the Great just like bust through, like push everybody over to get through. Like, like, yeah, they mess up the musical number for Portobello Road in the in the chase. And then you see one of the guys and uh, because all the notes in the bowl had letters on them he just go he just like hits o and then w (laughs) i think volkov has to get them here because then we don't have a plot if he doesn't really so then it could be a race back to his base who can get there faster the agents of volkov or the the children three well and mr brown right so does he oh does mr brown come with them I think so. I think like they have to. I think he has to come with them because it's so, like this dude who completely let them down or like ran out on them or something. 
and um, uh, something vaguely shitty. <laughs> and just, it's these three ex expertly trained magic spies, and then fucking seventy five year old Mister Brown. Yeah, yeah. Can we talk about maybe like let's like explode this scene a little bit more, like and maybe this is just like talking about the characters. Like, what sort of uh-huh. magics do they have? Like, what is their what is what are the kids' magic? Is it like they're throwing like fireballs or is it like they're uh they they're just masters of like the sub whatever sub what is it sub uh substantiary locomotion yeah but wait no sub yeah something like that i think that paul the little little one boy whose name i've already forgotten because he had the bed knob maybe he still has it but it's on like a staff now and he can do like teleporting yeah i think that's good i think that's really good for him I mean, and, also it goes with like wizard staff, like yeah, and because Carrie like was a deep cover person, she has similar like magics to uh, Volkov. Yeah, maybe because Carrie was like a deep cover person, she can't. She has like sort of changeling like abilities, like Volkov does, and uh, Big Charlie, Big Big Charlie, yeah, whatever, Big Boy. I've forgotten which one's which already between Paul and Charlie. It's, it's Big Charlie, Big Charlie, uh, and Big Charlie is he has pout powers because he's just a stick in the mud. He's he's yeah, immovable. He he's like super. <laughs> okay, <laughs> he I is the immovable that, yeah. Rod. Um, no, his name's Charlie, not Rod. Okay, so yeah, I I think that could be pretty fun. We could do like a '60s version of the classic, like Superman jumps in front of a car and the car bends around him. Yeah. But with like Charlie instead. I, I was I was mostly joking. We can come up something cooler or a little more like magic based. I mean, maybe he can transform things. Like maybe he, it's sort of like alchemy. Well, all right. So he's a spy. So we need something useful to espionage. I would say like transmutation, right? Like that's kind of changing things into other things. Or maybe Senses. maybe he can change into a uh, into like animals and stuff. Hmm. Which would be funny for like the scene. Maybe he tra- he 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 like transforms into an elephant and they all hop on him and he's like running through portobello road you know famously the fastest animal the elephant yeah but like they're charging i mean it's like a i think let's just go with like transformation he can turn into animals and stuff okay also maybe people because that would be useful for espionage yeah but like carrie, I guess has carrie the... can do that yeah yeah, yeah. I, I forgot about carrie yeah so yeah like animals okay so let's do one quick just what an action scene from this chase. For sure. And then we'll move on. I think one of the goons is like chasing Boy Paul and he hides in like a big pot or something. And the okay. guy sees him go in there and then uh, he looks in the pot. He's not there. And you see him like pop out of another pot because he like okay. teleported himself into another pot. See, I think he's just standing behind the guy and taps on the shoulder. And the guy turns on, he just hits him in the face with the bed knob that's on the end of his staff. Like yeah, really hard good. and knocks him out. Oh, it's on the end of a staff. That's great. I love. That's that. what I was saying. Yeah, it's a staff with the bed knob on the end of it instead of like a orb or something. That's really cool. I know how much you love orbs. I love orbs. Also, Gambit. I mean, Gambit had a staff. So let's go. Yeah, boy, Paul weirdly has a Nolan's accent in this movie and a headband. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> so, I think I like the idea of like Big Charlie turns into something and maybe carries on his back. Yeah. What if it's like a gorilla or like, I'm just thinking of like a charging animal that's like scary. Sure. Rhinoceros. A horse. Maybe he just turns and forms into a horse. I'm fine with a horse. Yeah. 
I mean, that's what I was thinking, but you were talking about something scary that charges. Yeah, I mean, for the scene, I think it'd be more interesting if he transformed into, like, yeah, a gorilla or, like, a a elephant. And So, okay, so they're charging. What does Carrie do? Because she kind of has disguise. Maybe she turns herself into the leader and walks up to some of the people and then just, like, beats the crap out of them. Like, they don't think that it's any unusual. They think it's this guy. As she transforms into Volkov, and she's like, what are you doing, you fools? They went that way, and then they turn around, and then she just, like, kicks their ass. And then, what's what's Mr. Brown doing? Is he just using weird street magic, like like smoke and mirrors stuff? He uh, poops his pants. Because <laughs> he's 70 years old. And his name is Brown. <laughs> oh, God. He puts the Brown in Mr. Brown. Um, Taking him to Brown Town. <laughs> okay. He's taking a Portobello Road. Um, so they get away, right? Or you, you, one you, of them does. I think one of them has to with the papers because we still need to get to like Russia and yeah, a showdown with Volkov the Great. I don't think Volkov is in Portobello Road. I think it's some of his like lieutenants. Like we know it's people that work for him. What if Mister Brown gets away with the papers because they capture the kids and then Mister Brown has to go save them? I see. I don't know. I feel like if we're just gonna if we're gonna make Mister Brown a bad guy from the last one i don't know if he needs an arc well i think it's like kind of a redemption thing for him right like if he got the papers and then had to like barter with volkov for their safety that's kind of what i'm that's kind of where i was going so i would like he's like but then he knows the importance of the papers and he's not just gonna give volkov like this like powerful like shit like um then Honestly, I think that this needs to be where Mr. Brown dies, trying to double cross Volkov to save the kids. Because I just, like, I don't think he has a place in the larger spy story other than being the dead they reconnect with. Like, he could maybe be comedic relief, but, like, I think that the redemption arc is that they, like, call bullshit on him, like, abandoning them like he did, and he has a chance to do it again. But he doesn't, and he dies for them. I think him having the pages and then having to barter for Volkov to take us to the next, I think that's a significant role, right? Yeah. What he does in that interaction where he dies, and maybe he just does a sleight of hand something, and he attempts to free them. Like, what if he gives them paper, and it just, like, bursts in the smoke, or there's a bunch of colors or something, and it gives them enough distraction to free the cage. And then, like, or I don't, I don't know, I don't know how they're captured. Like, we can talk about that next, I guess. What if he gives him a paper with, like, a spell on it, but it's not the locomotion spell, and, like, Volkov's gonna let them go, and they're kind of, like, on their way out when he does the spell, and it just burns the paper up. Like, that's not the transubstantiary locomotion spell. And so he gets pissed, and Mr. Brown basically, like, shoves the kids out the door and, like, shuts it behind him and gets, like, just immediately murdered by Volkov, but it buys the kids a chance to, like, get away. What if the um, piece of paper is, like, mm-hmm. an actual, like, instead of it bursting into flames, it actually explodes? And okay. it's, like, kind of like a bomb or, like, a grenade or something, and he, like, Mr. Brown is intending for them to get out, and then he sees that Volkov is reading the paper, then he's, like get out of here then he closes the door then it like explodes and end of movie because volkov's dead he did it or he does that he does that that very villain thing where somehow he survives or maybe he casts a ward on himself at the very last minute when he realized what was happening what happens somehow he i think mr brown has it on him or something because at this point volkov needs to have the spell 
maybe it's on his body. And then Mr. Brown thinks he's going to die and it's going to burn the spell up. But it didn't go as Mr. Brown planned. So Volkov has the spell now. How do, how do the kids know he has the spell? I think they escape and then they have to like regroup. And then they know that they don't have the spell. So maybe they have to go in and recover it. Or maybe they get word from it. My six It's like, no, he's still like he's headed to Moscow right now. What if Mr. Brown tries to hand them a bunch of papers as he's shoving them out the door, and when they go through them, they realize that that spell isn't in the papers? Okay. Like, he has some, he has a few pages of Mrs. Price's journal, or book, or whatever, Yeah. and he gives them to like, here, take these and run, but in, like, the hustle, he actually drops the one that they actually need, and that's how Volkov gets it. So that's how they know they don't have it, and they have to now go to Moscow to hunt down Volkov. Yeah, I guess, like, how do they learn that Bo- I think Volkov is alive, though, and how he survived? I, I think MI6 tells them, like, he's still alive. Okay. Maybe this is when they team up with them a little bit. They get some dope gadgets. A gun. Nice. Nice. Nice gun. Yeah, good. Guns are cool. So, I think this should probably be, like, the final showdown. Yeah, for sure. Like, in Moscow. But what yeah. happens? I think we have established before that Volkov is, like, a dissident or something, and when they fly, they fly into Moscow as he starts marching out some iron soldiers having used the spell. Yeah. Which I guess turns it less into a spy thriller and more into a superhero film at the end. One of them has transport powers, another has like disguise, and the other one can like change into That's animals, right? Like so it's like it's like what are their spell like what are their skills? Theoretically, they could actually get to Moscow before Volkov. So maybe they do, and they're trying to find his base before he gets back to Moscow. That plays into the spy angle, and also it gives a reason why Volkov isn't just immediately using the spell. He's, he has to fly from London to Moscow, yeah. like on a plane. Yeah, what if Boy Paul, they're like, you have to transport us there. And he's like, I've never gone that far, especially with people before. I can barely ever do people. And it's like, well, you got to do it now. And then like... What if he's like, I don't know if I can carry us all. We're going to need a ride. And it shows them then screwing that it's the bed. Yeah, that's good. That's that's perfect. And so they're on it again. We see some psychedelic, like, cool. Um, like extra psychedelic because it's the 60s. Yeah, extra psychedelic. <laughs> that's my new band, extra psychedelic. So so they, they get to Moscow first. So they're looking for Volkov's base before he... So they have a time limit. They have, like, that day. Maybe they have a day to find it before Volkov gets back and can use the spell. But what do they want to do there? Do they just want to like destroy the golems or like? I think it... that destroy the base and then ultimately kill Volkov. Okay. I think Carrie will need to get in contact with some of the people that she knew, and that ties into her arc of like having gone native yeah. undercover. There's concern that like getting her in contact with these people, she might go back to some of those old ways. For sure. Equalizers, we just took a mind break and we're coming back in this very fresh. Yeah, call us Thanos because we just took a mind break. That was a Mind Stone joke that did not play out. Thanks, I haven't seen the movie yet, Mike. Jesus. Yeah, that's just like general Marvel knowledge, Madison. Uh Uh-huh. If you want a spoiler, I'll tell you about how Iron Man actually, there's like a whole hot dog eating contest scene with Iron Man. Like he and Thanos can't, like they're just, they're duking it out. Neither can gain the advantage. They're just like, you know what? Let's settle this the old fashioned way. And it cuts to a hot dog eating contest. Oh, and then um, it's followed up by a scene where Iron Man just poops out all the hot dogs and just kind of plop out of him. But, like, it's in his suit, so they're just, like, filling his suit as he... Mm -hmm. 
there's a point where obviously the suit is full because you just see the sausage meat like like just being pushed out of the creases of like like the where the plating meets of the Iron Man suit. And then eventually you stop hearing Tony talk because he's died because he's suffocated from his hot dog <laughs> shit. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> I think they find I think they have to find the base because that gives us the they infiltrate they're laying traps or explosives or something or Volkov gets there and they're waiting for him and then he can like still use the spell to get his army up and moving and then they're fighting the army like he doesn't have to but i think they have to get to the base first what if their plan is um because uh and this kind of like defies our logic that we just Mm -hmm. like did but like their plan is because these are like steel golems they don't know what to do with them Mm -hmm. they want a boy paul to like teleport with them to somewhere where they can be like melted, like like a volcano or something like that. What if Big Charlie turns into like a rat or a mouse and gets the other rat, like mice and rats that he meets to like spread out and they find the base that way. And then they do a thing where they're just having Boy Paul just like teleporting them one at a time somewhere else. Like obviously to be collected and melted or whatever, but they're just getting them out of the fucking building. Okay. And then at some point, Volkov comes back, and they're not ready yet. And, like, he can raise a couple of them. Yeah. Or a few. like uh, Enough that it's a fight, but it's not, like, a legion. Yeah. So, do we think in this fight, it's just them against the, the Iron Golems and Volkov? I think, that, I think we have another, like, action scene, sort of. What if Big Charlie transforms into a rhino or something like, like something big, like, that can, like, take on these golems? Are they, do you, how big do you think they are? Uh, I think they're just a little bit bigger than person size. Okay. Like, person plus, I don't know if that gives, like, a good image. So what if he's a, what, what if it's a gorilla? Like, I think, like, a gorilla might have, like, a chance, do you think? Mm. Oh, yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. Just for size proportions and, like, having, like, an equal fight. And then I think Boy Paul does, like, the whole, like, transport thing and, like, makes two of them, like, try to... They're fighting... Two of them are on him, but he's teleporting so fast, he makes them, like, hit each other and destroy each other. I like that. I think that's good. I don't know what Carrie does. Here's the thing, I think, because we we haven't really dug into, like, character... For the, the kids yet yeah i think that they've established like we're going to move the golems to this place like specifically and at some point volkov gets hands on carrie and is going to like kill her unless charlie tells him where the golems are and so he does but because boy paul is kind of a rogue he moved them somewhere else okay and so he still doesn't get the golems i'm just kind of working in maybe superfluous character development but we haven't really we we established these characters and who they are and what they're about and then haven't talked about it at all since yeah what if he um this is very like technical and like very mind theater-esque but what if they were going to transfer them into like the ocean or something nearby or like somewhere like far away but they didn't have enough time so like charlie actually like after as they're having this interaction where he has carry like a knife to her throat or something or whatever it is charlie actually transported them to the roof and the Hmm. weight of them are like caving in the actual like structure of the place Hmm. or something like that so it's the more he transfers it's going to cave in the whole place and destroy it with them in it it's sort of like Somewhat of a suicide mission, but like they are willing to take themselves out to like save like the world, basically. But I like that. I'm thinking like, and they don't have to die. I'm just saying like that's kind of like, what if somehow he transports fifty of them fifty feet above the above this fortress, and then as he transports, they fall and it they fall into onto the fortress. 
That's pretty good. He transports them all together into like a net or something and then picks up the ends of the net yeah. and teleports up into the sky and then drops it. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like some notes. I also like the idea, like this is maybe an alternate and mm-hmm. what if they use the spell and they transform the golems to be on their side too. They use the magic against him. Like, mm-hmm. which I guess they could have tried to do the entire time. But maybe they don't, oh. I guess they don't have the spell. Maybe they never had the spell. Maybe they just, they could also just know it. I mean, they were there. They sang a whole song. Yeah. Maybe they don't remember the song. And that's part of the movie is them trying to remember this like innocent childhood. Which she was humming, which she was humming earlier, which is yeah. kind of like a. Yeah. And so they actually, it, it can be like a Watchmen style thing where Volkov gets back and is like, you fools, you didn't, I, I saw have plenty, and he tries to spell and it doesn't work, and it's like, yeah, we did that ten minutes ago before you got here, and then the golems start attacking Volkov and his men. That's pretty good. Maybe that's what they're doing at the beginning. Maybe they're, like, stockpiling them. Like, yeah, I think I, I think it's just what you said. They're stockpiling them, and he's like, where are my golems? And it's like, oh, your golems? These are our golems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like the idea also, though, that some of them aren't there, and uh, Boy Paul has teleported them to the bed, which is floating above the building, and they're like maybe jumping off the bed and like. like That's good. That's good. It's like explosions. Like it's kind of like it, an explosion, except there's no like bomb. Yeah. It's just these this huge force falling through the roof and everything. That's good. I like that. I like that image. So it's just maybe it's just Big Charlie and Volkov now. Like there's chaos all around. Yeah. Carrie's fighting henchmen. Just. Golems are fighting henchmen and falling from the sky, and I think it has to be a big Charlie and Volkov. I think he like throws Carrie off of like a ledge or something, and then she falls, mm. and like maybe Big Charlie thinks she's dead or something like that, or maybe she is dead. I don't know, but uh, it causes like Big Charlie to like uh, go berserk, and we'd have to establish a hen- like a main henchman for this idea. But like that happens, and then later the big henchman like stabs Volkov in the chest, and it turns out it was Carrie in disguise, and she disguised the actual main henchman as her. That's perfect. That's perfect. So he throws his own most loyal henchman off the ledge, and then thinking that this is still his second in command, it's actually Carrie in disguise. Uh, I love that. That's great. And then she says Valor Magulus, which is a good Game of Thrones reference you don't get. Yeah. Then they defeat him. Maybe the structure, like this plan, like for the golems to fall into the structure. It is like destroying the fortress, so maybe the kids are like, "Okay, we gotta get out of here," like or whatever. And maybe Big Charlie, as the gorilla, like just punches Volkov, and they think he's dead. And then he like attempts to do one last spell at them, but at the last moment when he's gonna cast it, just one of the golems falls on him. Oh, um, he he's gonna cast a spell, and he reaches out his hand to do it, and right before he finishes, a golem comes down and just basically takes the arm off. It's yeah. not bloody or anything. But now he just, like, can't do magic. Yeah. And then whatever. Or the golem crushes through him or something. I think that's fine, too. Yeah. Like, uh, so is it happily ever after? And we kind of just, as the equalizers, hand wave our way through the end? Or is there anything that we need to, like, really dig in to wrap up? I think they have the pages at the end, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe they're tying up loose ends at Mrs. Price's house. And they have the pages and they're trying to figure out what to do with them. Should they destroy them? Should they keep them? Like, are, is it useful? What if they're talking, they're trying to figure out what to do with this, the page with like the spell on it. And boy, Paul is like, well, you know, there's one place it's been safe for a pretty long time. And he holds up that book. I can't remember the name of the, the cartoon island. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. It's like, there's one place it's always been safe. And like, Charlie kind of takes it and looks at the book and kind of nods. 
He like, and then he just like he puts the page in the book for a second, and then throws the book in the fire with the page in it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really funny. Then that just credits, <laughs> and then it goes shake, rattle, and roll. <laughs> shake, I think, rattle, and roll. <laughs> I think Carrie and Boy Paul nod like, "Yeah, good call." Like, I don't know if it's just like they're mad about it or whatever. Maybe Boy Paul's mad that his they they just burned his favorite book as a kid or whatever. Yeah. But I like the idea that, like, everybody's like, yeah, that's probably the best idea. Yeah. Maybe, like, Boy Paul's like, you prick. And then, like, the credits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's good. That's, that's good. really good. I like that. All right. So there's one last question we have to answer. What do we call it? And I have an idea. Because it's a spy film, I've had this from a pun thread I ran a while ago. Okay. Bed knobs and broomsticks, colon, golem eye. Okay. Instead of golden eye, because there's iron golem type creatures. Okay. Or Volkov the Great is also a, a good subtitle. It's uh, it, it it's very funny. It, or I'm sorry, it's very punny. Rather, I'm trying to think of anything. I'm thinking of like Volkov's like golems or something like. No, I'm fine with golem eye. Golem eye is fine. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I think I think it's I think we haven't done a pun one in a while. I think I think this is a good pun one. Sure. I was working on a list of, like, I came up with a dumb character named James Wand. And so I was coming up with magic. Oh, come pun. on. I know, I know. I know. It's obvious. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not pretending like it was a highbrow pun. My point was then from there, I thought, oh, cool. How can I, like, make James Bond movies magic title, basically? And Golem Eye was one of them. And so I've been looking for an excuse to use it for a while. And this just happened to coincide perfectly. Yeah. Um. All right. So, Bedknobs and Broomsticks, colon, Golem Eye. Yep. Do we do it? We did it. We did it. Some, somehow we did it. It was a little bit of a tough one, but we did it. Then if we did it, that's credits on another episode of The Equalizers. Madison Jones, tell the people where they can find us. The people can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, and everywhere else podcasts are found by searching The Equalizers. Uh, as always, we spell that E-Q-U-E-L-I-Z-E-R-S like in sequel. Like in sequel. You can also get in contact with us on Facebook and Twitter at The Equalizers. Our Gmail is equalizers at gmail.com. Instagram is the underscore equalizers where we post all the episode art. Jesus hell, what am I gonna do this week? I have no idea. Good luck. I have I have a couple of vague ideas. Um so next week, Madison. The bell tolls for you. The bell tolls for you. How's with the clock in the walls, too? So, for the equalizers, I'm Madison Jens. I'm Mike Knoll. We go to Brown Town, in it to be continued.